Welcome to Teach Em Up, the podcast about teaching and learning. I'm here today with Dennis Davis. Dennis is the athletic director at San Marin High School, and we're talking high school sports. Dennis, what's up? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, so, high school sports are a huge deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, why do high school sports matter? I think, why do they matter? Um, I think for a lot of, I mean, I think it means different things to different people. For some kids, it's their identity. For some kids, it's a sense of belonging. For others, it's just something fun to do. And so having a, sp- a comprehensive high school athletic program, you need to be able to have opportunities for all of those kids. Some kids see it kind of as a way to move on to their next chapter in life, and some it's just a way to help them get through a challenging four years in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so full disclosure, I got into teaching primarily so that I could coach. Um, I recognized early in life that I was probably not built to be a professional athlete uh, since I'm like five foot seven. And I would have loved to have been five seven. <laughs> I'm only five five, so I was the same way. High school sports for me was a way to connect to people. Um, I've always been drawn to athletics and just competitiveness and that that kind of that fight and that desire to, to be good at something. Um, but I was never great at anything. Um, I wrestled four years in high school. Um, I coined myself like Mr. Third Place. I had a lot of third place medals. Um, uh-huh. I was never good enough to, to be a champion. Um, but I learned a lot and I learned from some really great coaches and um, had opportunities to meet a lot of people and to kind of use that to further my education. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would counter that um you are great at being an athletic director um like we you've done tremendous work in kind of changing the vision of san marin athletics uh and san marin high school generally uh and we've kind of done a lot of work around that so i got into teaching primarily so that i could coach uh and then i realized that like oh coaching is crazy hard uh i coached freshman girls volleyball um, although I had never played volleyball before, um, and this was before you were in charge of AD. Uh, and then I coached uh, JV boys soccer and then varsity boys soccer for a season. Um, and coaching is really, really tough. Um, How did you get into being the athletic director? So it started, I mean, we go all the way back. I started, I got into education mostly because of my like seventh and eighth grade PE teacher. I had a really great PE teacher who kind of just made athletics and sports and PE fun for me. Um, and I kind of grew up wanting to be that guy. Um, so I went to school. Um, I knew all through high school, that's what I wanted to do all through college, um, that I wanted to be involved in physical education and basically with keeping one eye on educational athletics. Um, so when I got into teaching PE, I was around high school kids and around high school athletics more. Um, like I said earlier, I I was part of high school athletics. I played one year of football, one year of baseball. My dad coached high school sports for a long time. And so I was kind of always had that one that one eye on coaching and um, high school athletics. So when I got into teaching to 11 years ago, or no, 13 years ago, um, I've kind of always had that draw to it. And then I had a great mentor who is someone, a, a colleague of ours who passed away a couple of years ago, Craig Pitty. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd kind of talked to me about it and something like, Hey, you'd probably be good at this. Do you want to help me out? And so for a couple of years, I kind of helped him out. He was the basketball coach and during basketball season, he had a lot to do. And so I kind of just voluntarily helped him out on the side, running some basketball games and kind of, kind of got that interest of that. There's, 
this whole other part to it. Um, and then at one point him and I became co-athletic directors and we shared the job and he kind of was able to give me like a, a two year training on the job of kind of learning all the ropes and stuff to do because there's so many things to do and until you have to do it, it's hard to like explain to someone what those things are. Mm -hmm. And so having like a mentor and kind of like a leader and a guide to show me for two years, what to do has made me able to do it by myself. Nice. Um, and I think that's like a huge part of the job, right? Because uh, obviously there's a part of being athletic director that we see. Right. Um, like, oh, if you want to play XYZ, go talk to Mr. Davis. Or if you want to check on eligibility, go talk to Mr. Davis. Or you're missing XYZ, go talk to Mr. Davis. And then like we see you out on the sidelines at a bunch of games. But I got to imagine that is a very small portion of the job. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like I was saying, the hard thing is like when people ask like what I do, it's so hard to explain what I do. And I feel like that, I mean, the, the story, like the thing about how many plates are you spinning at the same time? And I feel like there's always so many plates going. And a lot of times nobody realizes that you're spinning, spinning plates until the plates fall. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, hey, well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? You know what I mean, so there's just, there's always something that goes on. When I first started, I would have like a list of things like I wanted to accomplish each day. And then I realized like at the end of the day, I've worked for six, eight, 12 hours and I didn't do anything that was on my list. And I'm trying to think back, like, what did I do? But there were so many things that, like, it's always something that comes up. And with every every half hour, a new thing comes in, and a new thing, and a new thing. And it just takes time. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I had one of those evenings uh, a couple nights ago where I, like, stayed late at, late at work and then got home late. And my wife, Melissa, was like, uh, like, what were you doing? I was like, I, um, oh, I have no idea. Like, I was there for, like, four hours after school. I don't know what I did, but I was busy the whole time. Right. This um, is and I didn't actually get any of the grading stuff that I needed done. I had a bunch of conversations. Like, it's, it's a tough balance. And I imagine, especially for you, like, we're right now recording here in my classroom. We started in your office. Right. And then realized that we were going to get about 50 people popping in. Right. Uh, in the next hour. Yeah. Um, so I think what makes... This job, the enjoyable part of the job is how much interaction I get to have with different people. And the thing that I've tried to like build off of, and I can't take any credit for it, but I've tried to help leverage it to, for me to be successful, is how strong this Samarin community is. Mm -hmm. And we're a very small part of Marin County. We're a very small part of Nevada. But there's so many amazing people in this community that I get to have relationship with and that I get to work with and be a part of that it makes it, it makes it enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It's stressful. There's always something to do. Um, I'm, I'm always on. I feel like I work 24 hours a day uh -huh. because there's just, it might be a phone call late at night. It might be a text message first thing in the morning. And they're not always big things, but they're just things that, that need to get dealt with. Um, I think we have 40, around 40 athletic teams altogether. That means there's 40 coaches, 40 head coaches, and then however many assistant or volunteer coaches we have. So there's always something, someone that needs something. And again, because of this community, it's like a pleasure to do almost everything that they asked me to do because I know that they're good people. And if I ever needed something from them, and there's been times where I needed things from them, that they're on the first thing. They're like, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? How can I make this program better? That's awesome. Um, but I think like a big part of that community is your leadership within it. Oh, thank you. Um, because one of, I would say, your big successes um, in being athletic director is just like big picture, the reputation of San Marin High School. 
um, six or seven. Uh, we I think we started here together, yeah. like thirteen years ago. Yeah. Um, and six or seven years ago, we were right around like eight hundred and fifty students, um, which is a nice number. Yeah. Uh, but it had been quite a dip. Uh, and the reputation of the school was not where we would necessarily want it to be. Like Correct. we've always been a good school, yeah. um, and our students have been awesome, and our community has been spectacular. Uh, but we were starting to see more of our students migrate to private school. A lot of our students go to the other high school in town, Novato High, for their specialized program. Um, they seem to have the better sports teams. And in the last six or seven years, things seem to have flipped a little bit. Um, and I think, from my perspective, there's a couple factors that kind of play in there. Um, one of them is we now have this kind of focused STEM uh, program, like our STEM Marin program has attracted a lot of kids into Novato, into San Marin. And then I think the other huge part of it is the reputation of our athletics program um, and the success of our sports teams. And that feels like it's a, a weird thing to go to school for, especially at high school. Like, I get it if you're being recruited for college sports um, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go play volleyball for UCLA or whatever. Um, but I definitely didn't make my high school decision yeah. based on a sports team. Right. But sports creates such an element of community and such an element of, like, uh, belonging on the campus. Um, and another component of that is, like, I've just seen more and more and more kids wearing San Marin gear like wearing their school shirts, mm -hmm. like some of it's jerseys, right? Yeah. Wearing jerseys on game days and that kind of thing. But also just like wearing the San Marin logo. Like I've got a t-shirt with the San Marin logo. I've got a hoodie with the San Marin logo. I'm going to wear that pretty consistently where I definitely did not feel that kind of uh, ownership to the high school that I attended. Right. Um, so like was there, was there anything that you consciously did over those last six years to try to raise the profile of San Marin Athletics. Yeah. So I think just to first to piggyback off what you were saying, this the the STEM program and kind of the rise of athletics, I think kind of came together. Mm -hmm. And it was I don't know if it was intentional, but it was kind of a joint effort to kind of raise the bar and the expectation of what it meant to be a student at San Marin. Uh-huh. And so it was not an attempt to single anyone out or to say that one group's better than the other but it was like these are the standards that we we're going to expect students and student athletes to reach and we're going to hold you to those standards um for san marin it's been we've been blessed to have this awesome group of coaches most of our coaches varsity coaches have been here that six or seven years it's not uncommon to have a coach that's been here six seven eight nine years and they've kind of bought into that whole thing is this is what it means to be a part of this community and there's an expectation of your academic work there's an expectation of your behavior and there's an expectation of your participation and your commitment to those all of those programs academically and athletically and so i think that's helped a lot mm -hmm. um the one thing that i've done and because like i said there were people before me like uh, mr pity who kind of laid that foundation and i've kind of taken kind of what he started and taken it to that i think taking it to the next level in terms of the um I don't know if branding's the right word, but kind of giving that the athletic culture and identity. And this was something I started a couple years ago was like coming out with a new logo, uh -huh. right? And so I was always frustrated that kind of our logos, it was always mismatched and hodgepodge of like, oh, this is a cool horse. Let's use this Mustang or uh -huh. we're going to steal this one from this place. And they all looked kind of cool, but there was no uniformity 
within that. Right, like the football team had their own horse head right. with San Marin underneath it, but you right. knew if you saw that specific head, that was football only. Right. And then there was the horse that's like your standard Mustang logo right. with the head going one direction and the tail flying out the right. other direction yeah. that like uh, Cal Poly uses and... I think SMU Loyal was the sense. big one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, so like we used a bunch of horses. Right. We were definitely Mustangs. Right. We were always green and gold. And it seems like such a silly thing, right? Because like a logo doesn't feel like it should be that big of a deal. But I will say it's it's really been tremendous um, seeing like we have the San Marin block letter and it is consistent all the time. And then we've got like a couple different options for the Mustangs, but they're always the same picture of the Mustang. And they're super cool. So I, I think like if you look at athletics and teams that are successful, they have an identity, uh-huh. right? And so the Dallas Cowboys is one that they have a blue star uh-huh. as their logo. And if you look at it, it's like, well, that's a stupid logo. It's a star, <laughs> but it's iconic. And anywhere you go in the world and you're like, that's the blue star that belongs to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh-huh. They know who they are. Starbucks is the same thing, right? They have yep. a brand and an identity and they've never faltered from that. And whether right, wrong, or indifferent, it's it's become an iconic part of America and, and no uh-huh. matter, or the, the world rel- actually, no matter where you go, you know what that means and you know what it represents. Uh-huh. Um, and so I kind of wanted to bring that to Sam Marin and I wanted us to have our own identity um, and not just, I didn't want to just Google Mustang logo and when you're ordering a shirt and you just put it on and do it, right? Because yep. there's not- the classic clip art. Right, exactly. I wanted it to look professional. And so two years ago when I set out, I wanted to kind of pay and kind of always my vision for athletics, and I think it's important, and no matter what you do, is like you have kind of keep one foot in the past mm-hmm. and remember the history and the people that came before you, mm-hmm. but you still want to be looking forward to the future and how can we do that. So I didn't want to bring in a logo that looked like futuristic and robotic horse, uh-huh. but I also didn't want something that was like old and stale. Right. And so we kind of made the decision, like we're going to keep the block SM uh-huh. as our identity because that pays kind of an homage or a tribute to the history and what's come before and then the horse um we kind of took the design of one of the original ones kind of the rearing horse where he's up on his hind legs and uh-huh. his front legs are up in the air which was kind of an iconic samarin logo um but we kind of revamped it and i worked with a an online company i think it was called 99 designs and which freelance graphic designers submitted like bids for it essentially and so i we put up $350 that the boosters said, yeah, let's do it. So it's $350. I think we got probably 40 or 50 different graphic designers that submitted uh-huh. designs. Um, some were not very good at all. There was probably five or six that were really good. And we went through a process of talking to coaches and players, again, trying to involve the community until um, we settled on this one. And I think what you were saying earlier is that there's different options within the in the design. So there's the, the full horse. I have the horse by itself. We have the horse with the interlocked SM. We have the horse head. So that it gave people kind of some freedom within that, but it always pointed back to that main identity of who we are. Uh-huh. And the cool thing is, like, you've developed such a reputation now for San Marin Athletics that, like, that horse, that block letter, it just, like, feels like excellence. Um, and that's another piece that I've been really, really impressed with. Um, is that like your standard for our coaches, for our students, for our athletes, um, like A, you really prioritize putting academics uh, high. And not just like, okay, we need you to get your basic 2.0, so like 
can you go to the teacher and turn in a crappy piece of homework so you can get it up to a D minus or whatever it is, so you can get your base 2-0. Um, but like, you're holding a lot of our sports teams to really high team GPAs, three fives, three whatevers. Um, and kind of sending a message about like, this is what we expect out of our athletes, our students in a classroom, and here's how you demonstrate that excellence in the classroom. And then we expect the same degree of effort and excellence uh, on the field in terms of your commitment there. Yeah. So I think when, I think three years ago, they, the district made, um, we had an athletic task force. And one of the biggest thing that came out of that was making athletic directors full time. Uh-huh. And we may be the only people in Northern California that have only public schools that have full-time athletic directors. It's not very common at all. And so what's that allowed me to do um, is to not, not just do the bare minimum, right? The bare minimum would be I scheduled all the games and I have officials. Uh That's it. And that's a lot of um, athletic directors. That's all they can do. And it's not that they're bad athletic directors, but when they're teaching four academic classes or five academic classes and they get a $2,000 stipend to be athletic director, Uh you're asking them to do a full-time job on top of their full-time job. Uh Um, And then when I was teaching, um, I felt like I would come and teach a couple classes and then I would go to work, which was my athletic director job. So I wasn't, uh-huh. I wasn't being a very good teacher yeah. for those couple of years. So it's like you always have one hand, one eye on the other thing that you have to do. Uh-huh. Um, and like we talked earlier at the very beginning that there's just things that happen all day, every day that you have to be ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a rain out or we've had the last couple of years, the fires and we've had to move games and practices and you just have to be flexible and ready to move things all the time. So by the district doing that one of the things that has allowed me to do since i've been full-time is to actually like meet with students Uh so it's not uncommon for me to pull kids out of class and just check in and say hey i'm an adult who cares about you and notices that you're not doing what you should be doing and we expect better out of you Uh so it's not always that i'm sitting down helping them with their homework it's just that that pressure of knowing that people care and that how I perform affects more than just myself. Uh-huh. And um, so if I can get students to realize that, that when when you don't make grades, now it puts your entire team at a disadvantage and to realize that it's not, they're not, they're not the most important thing in the world, that they're part of this bigger community uh-huh. and that what they add to it adds value to the, the community as a whole. Totally. Um, and I think like that's a tremendous component because like your voice almost like carries more weight than, uh, a teacher that they see every single day where you just fall into like the Charlie Brown like wah 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 right. um, or like obviously they love and respect their coaches but you're in this beautiful like happy medium where you're not technically an administrator you're not technically a teacher but you're doing both of those jobs right. um, and that's one of the things that I think you've been tremendously good at is like teaching our athletes, teaching our students how to uh, conduct themselves in the world and how to prepare themselves uh, to be great. Right. And so one thing that I noticed when I was teaching PE, I had a student who was very, he was a troubled kid. We had a lot of issues, behavior with him. He kind of just very defined. And I ended up having him for all four years of high school uh-huh. for PE. And so it's kind of, he ended up in my class like the third week of school. I remember the counselor calling. It's like, hey, I got the student. He's gotten some trouble. Can, is it okay? I know you already have 50 kids in your PE class. Can we just add one more? Uh-huh. And I'm like, and he's like, oh, he's sitting right here with me. Is that okay if I put him? <laughs> so I feel like I was like cornered. I'm like, sure, we'll put him in my class. And so we kind of became like, for the next four years, we were like 
together yeah and we butted heads so many times and i specifically remember it was probably a sophomore year i had like had it and i like wrote him a referral and i was writing the referral and i realized like on the box that said like there was a box to refer him to his counselor uh-huh. and not because usually referrals always go to the assistant principal. Uh-huh. And so it's like a, you're getting in trouble. Right. And as I was filling out, I'm like, I'm going to do something different. So I marked like the counselor box. I had never done that before. And uh-huh. I don't think any teachers do that. So I filled it out and marked counselor and I, I sent it to the, there were boxes. On right. There. <laughs> so I sent it to the counselor and it turned out the kid was just having like a bad day uh-huh. and he just needed to talk to somebody. And that made our relationship for the, probably the next two years, mm-hmm. so much better. And it was that turning point. And I remember him coming to me and he's like, hey, thanks for not getting me in trouble. And it was something like I held to it, like I'm writing a referral because I told him I was going to. Uh-huh. So I had to hold true to what I told him right. to keep my credibility. But at no point did he get in trouble. It was a way for him to talk about some stuff that was going on in life. And he came back and was like appreciative that I took the time to realize that he just needed a space to kind of calm down and to refocus what he was doing. Uh-huh. And so fast forward now, I've told a lot of the new teachers and some of the experienced teachers here that I don't mind being that person either. Yep. If you have a kid that's a problem in class, send them to me if they're one of my athletes, right? I'm not going to get them in trouble. I'm not going to suspend them. They're not going to get restorative justice. They're just going to talk to an adult who cares about something that they care about uh-huh. and understands their value outside of that specific moment of time. And so by, a, by being able to like counsel students, I've noticed that they've gone back to class and I've got feedback from teachers like, hey, thanks for talking to that kid. It's really helped. Yeah. And really, like, it sounds like what you're talking about there is using athletics as a restorative justice practice. Absolutely, yeah. Because that's the other thing that I've noticed is that um, if a kid gets, if a kid is having a difficult time in school, uh, they might be removed from a game. Mm-hmm but you don't often just like completely ax them from the team. Right. Like you do hold high standards, mm-hmm. and if they're not meeting those standards consistently, then they lose their opportunity to play that school sport. Um, but I've also seen a lot of cases where it's like, hey, you screwed this up. It was something that affected our larger community, so now you have to sit out for a week. Um, you don't get to start for this game. Right. And now we're able to like really restore it, and what are you going to do to make it better? How do you remedy the problem, make it right with your team, make it right with the community? And that obviously differs for whatever the thing is. Right. Um, but it's, it's impressive that you're able to like use athletics as a management component and as a restorative justice practice. Yeah, and something we've started in the last couple of years is in an attempt to hold, hold student athletes to a higher standard uh-huh. and what it means to wear a Samarin uniform. So last year, at the end of the year, I was... It was end of baseball season was kind of winding down. It was the last three or four games. And I got a Facebook message randomly on like our boosters Facebook page uh-huh. from a parent in Roner Park. And they saw one of our students at In-N-Out Burger. They were coming back from a game up somewhere in northern, somewhere northern Sonoma County. Okay. They were coming home. They stopped at Roner Park wearing their, wearing their Samarin the baseball jersey. Way to represent. Okay. And he walks out the door and he hawks like a big loogie. Uh, right in front of this family that's trying to eat dinner 
And so then the, the dad says something to the son, like, hey, can you clean that up? The guy kind of was rude back to them, and it kind of became this thing. Right. Right. An altercation took place. Yep. So Classic the family ends teenage. up leaving. Right. Yep. It's kids being kids, right? Yep. They, they're going to do stuff. Doing that, things that they shouldn't be doing. Exactly. And, right. And 90% of the time, 99% of the time, I would never know that that happened. Right. But because he went out in a Samurai uniform, that person went on there, uh-huh. reached out to us and said, hey, this just happened, like, number seven on the baseball team. I don't know what number <laughs> it was, but they, they were able to specifically pinpoint the kid that did it. And uh-huh. I was able to pull that kid in. And we ended up holding him out of the next game uh-huh. as a punishment. And it was... There was no school rule that says you can't spit on the ground at an out burger. Right. Right. But the perception is that when you're a part of a Samarin athletic team, uh-huh. that you need to represent our community outside of just athletics. And yep. so no matter where you go, mm-hmm. you're held to a higher standard because we hold ourselves to a higher standard. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I think that speaks to like the degree of excellence that you're kind of expecting. Right. And really, I mean, I call that excellence. That's just being a decent human being. Yeah. <laughs> the degree of expecting people to be decent human beings yes. that we are expecting and like training our students how to be. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier how you went through like the the rebranding process. And mm-hmm. I think that's like such a it's such a tricky component in education, especially because schools are not businesses. Right. And so often we fall into this like well, have you tried using like this business tactic in your <laughs> school? And it's like, no, 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 we're not creating a product. Right. Like if there's nothing for us to sell, um, we're just trying to make good people. I guess we are creating a product. Right. Our product is better people. Yes. Right? Yeah. We take in eighth graders coming into ninth grade, make them into the best people that they are able to be, and then send them off into the rest of the world. Um, but, you know, that branding component, I think, has been so key and we've done the exact same thing through STEM Marin, mm-hmm. uh, where it feels like it's a really important component to have an identity. And part of that identity is like your logo. Mm-hmm. Part of that identity is your standards, like what you expect out of every person. Um, you know, you must maintain these kind of grades. You have to have this kind of behavioral expectation. You have to be kind to other people in our community, both within our program and outside of our program. Um, and then another part of that is just having like a face of the program. Um, and so you obviously have been like the face of athletics. I have mostly been the face of STEM Marin. Um, how does that translate into the rest of your life? Like you talked about it kind of bleeding into working 24 hours a day, and yet here you are still doing it. Uh, and I know you've got tons of other options. Right. Uh, why is it worthwhile? I think it goes back to what I said is that is the people that I get to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I just look at the... I got into education because I wanted to work with kids and help kids. And at some point, as, as the athletic director, there's still a piece of that. But I also get to work a lot with adults, almost more with adults now. And so just seeing um, what it means to be a member of this community and the support um, has been huge for my family and I. There's some of like our best babysitters are coaches wives and coaches and people who've just like saw that our family was in need uh-huh. and they reach out to help us and they've just been they've taken us and i didn't grow up in samarin i i've been here 11 years now um and they've kind of just taken us into this community i don't live in this community but i feel as much of this community as anybody uh-huh. so um yeah does that kind of answer yeah what are you looking for totally yeah yeah um so on that note uh, you are also married to a teacher yeah. at San Marin. Uh, I mean, we share the married to a teacher part. Yeah. Although my teacher is 
my wife, <laughs> not my teacher. Yeah. Uh, my wife is teaching first grade. Um, how, how is that being like so deeply ingrained for your whole family? It's been really good. Yeah. I, we both, we, we got into education because we both care about kids. We both want to see, help kids become better people. Um, but we also know that in order to do that, in my opinion, you have to be involved in what the kids are doing. Uh-huh. It's not enough to just teach them for 50 minutes and shut your door and go home. Mm-hmm. You need to be at their events. You need to be at their musicals. You need to be at their athletic games. Whatever they're doing, they need to see that you're a real person and you care about them holistically. Uh-huh. And so when my wife got into teaching, she was a few years behind me getting into teaching. We knew that for us to, for both of us to be committed as much as we knew we needed to be to students, that we had to be at the same school for our family because uh-huh. we couldn't be... Her first job was at Anley High School in Spassville, and while I was at Sam Marin, and we were both really wanted to and invest that's like in our 40 students. Miles away. Right, yeah. so we're forty minutes away from each other, and we couldn't go to as much stuff and be involved with the school as much as we knew that we needed to be to be effective teachers. Uh-huh. Um, and so when a job opened up here, um, it was kind of just an easy decision, like come to Sam Marin, let's make it work. I had a PE job open up there, I probably would have went up there. We just knew that. We needed to be together uh-huh. to be successful at this, and it's been it's been great. Um, one thing that we've really enjoyed is to be um, be a positive example of marriage to students, mm. um, which um, unfortunately we live in a society where a lot of people, a lot of kids come from split households, or uh-huh. mar- they haven't been modeled what a good marriage looks like. Right. And so for us to be, we've had comments like, oh, how do you like to work with your wife, or that must suck, or this type of stuff. And we're like, for us, it's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. We get to, most days we get to have lunch together. We get to, when we talk about work, we know who all the characters are that we're talking about, all of our frustrations, all of our joys. Uh-huh. We get to share those with each other. Um, we've built this sense of community with other teachers who've become our friends, um, and we're not, we never feel like we're being pulled in two different directions. We're kind of always pulling the rope together yep. in everything that we do. Our children come to a lot of things. There's half the half the kids at the school know who our kids are. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's just been, again, like we've been adopted into this community um, over the last 11 years, and it's been awesome. That's awesome. Uh, do you have specific, like, rules about when work stops? Like... One of the things that I noticed with my wife and I's conversation is, you know, we get home, we're doing the parenting thing, the kids go to bed, and then one of us wants to get out and exercise. So right. either my wife's going for a walk or I'm going for a run. And then all of a sudden it's like 8 30, 9 o'clock, and now we can actually talk about school. Right. But that means, you know, we're talking for an hour about like <laughs> stressful stuff or like, right. ah, here's the problem I'm having with this and da 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 da. Um, and so I think it would be healthy for us to have like a, okay, 10 o'clock, no more school talk. Yeah. Or like no school talk while the kids are awake or whatever the rule is. Do I you guys have a, a line there or is it just a holistic, we live, breathe, eat San Marin? <laughs> it's probably more the latter. Where we eat, sleep, breathe San Marin. Um, we've tried to set up lines. Uh-huh. It doesn't always work. Right. Um, because there's just so much stuff that goes on. There's times where we'll be talking and we have to ask the other one, like, do you want me to answer as your spouse or as your coworker? Because <laughs> those aren't always the same response. Uh-huh. Um, and so we've had to like 
step back and be like, okay, how do I need to answer this question? Like, are you are you venting to me? Are you are you looking for my teacher advice or the husband advice and vice versa? Did, if I need stuff from her, she'll be like, do you need to know as your wife or as your colleague? And so for us to kind of be able to ask that question and uh -huh. to make sure that we're getting, getting the support that we need. But in terms of um, setting like hard lines, we have not been very good at that. Yeah. But, it's to, I, I mean, I feel yeah. like that's teaching generally. Right. Right? Is that it bleeds into your whole life. Right. Uh, I should use a better verb than bleeds because it's a positive thing. <laughs> yeah. It yep, uh, yep. emanates outwards yeah. as a happy, yes. warm glow yeah. <laughs> into the rest of your life. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's not one that you can really leave at whatever time you pull out of the parking lot. Right. Um, Okay, so you're responsible for 40 different sports teams. Yep. Uh, you were a wrestler in high school yourself. Yes. Um, are there specific sports that you enjoy more or less on the management side? You're going to get me in trouble here. I am going to get you yeah. in trouble here. <laughs> um, not really. Okay. I mean, honestly, no. I think the coaches that the coaches that take the teams and make them their own mm. are the easiest for me to manage because uh -huh. there's not much that I have to do, uh -huh. right? There's some that for whatever reason, um, and we have coaches at all walks of life. And right. so it's not that one's better than the other totally. is that we have some coaches who can commit 30 hours a week uh -huh. to be here. And we have some coaches who it's all they can do to be here for their two hours a day for practice. Right. And we need all types of those people. Yeah. I wouldn't get rid of, there's not any coach on staff that I would get rid of. I think we have, Top to bottom, we have probably the best coaches around. I agree. They're, they're amazing. Um, so in terms of like which is are easier to deal with, it's um, one's not easier than the other. So it's like just, teams that have a unified culture yes. of that team. Right. So like examples, uh, I mean, I don't know the internal culture of most of our sports teams, right. but I know a couple of coaches who are teachers yeah. and the way that they've built cultures for their sports. Yes. So like our boys' soccer program, Mm -hmm. uh, where a PE teacher, uh, Ben Philpot coaches, and it feels like when I was coaching, uh, I just did not get it. Right. Like I was out of my depth. Uh, I got the soccer part. I got the being a really good teammate part because right. I had played uh, ultimate frisbee at UC Davis and I knew how to be a teammate. Um, but for whatever reason, I couldn't translate to how to teach high schoolers to be good teammates. Mm. Like I got frustrated with it on the like, no, th this feels obvious. Yeah. Uh, like show up on time, help your teammates do the right thing. Um, and it feels like Ben has really put a lot of effort into building a culture. Right. They get together and they play FIFA, uh, the video game. Right. Uh, and oh. they have like game nights in season and out of season. Right. They do like futsal uh, in the mini gym or in the cafeteria yep. uh, after school out of season. Uh, which is not like coaching, it's just showing up and playing and doing foot-related soccer-y things. Right. Or like the football team, I know that they've really put an emphasis on like building cultural values, integrity, stewardship, character? I think so. Okay. I don't know, I'm off the top of my head. The third, the third one, I don't know, but integrity and stewardship, I know are, are two of them. Right. Um, so they've obviously got like a thing that is their thing. Yeah, is I that think what you're talking about? Kind of, yeah. So soccer is one of the ones where if you defined our soccer program in terms of wins and losses, uh -huh. you wouldn't say that's a great program. Right. But in terms of where it was 8, 10, 12 years ago, uh -huh. we went through a stretch of time. I think we went four or five years without winning a single game. Uh -huh. And every year there'd be half, seven, eight, nine, ten kids that were academically ineligible. Yep. And I that won. standard of 
what it meant to be a soccer player at San Marin was not there. When was, I was when I was coaching varsity, we won the first game in I want to say three or four years. <laughs> uh, we got our first win, and then our second win, nice. and our third win. Very but nice. all of them were preseason games, right. and then we hit league, <laughs> and we got a bunch of ties. But those ties didn't quite translate did to the the students' uh, internal pride. Right, and so I was the, feeling pretty good. I was like, look, we tied. That was a solid effort. Yep. Like. You guys slacked for 20 seconds. Right. Otherwise, we played 80 great minutes. We played well. Yeah. Yeah. So soccer's one, like I said, they've kind of built an identity of what it means and that no one person is bigger than the team. Right. And we've had students who've come in who've been great athletes, but they didn't fit into what it meant to be a teammate. And they couldn't, for whatever reason, they couldn't wrap their head around the whole culture of what it meant to be on that team. And so they're no, they would decide not to play uh-huh. because their own, I don't know if their ego or their... For whatever reason, they couldn't just, they couldn't make it work uh-huh. with that team. But we've all and all kept that the team is the most important thing. Uh-huh. Um, the Samarin soccer program is the what's the most important thing. And if you can't meet the standards of what it means to be on that team, then you're not going to be on the team. Um, football is another great example. Um, Eleven years ago, we were in a similar situation where the football team was they weren't winning games. They would have behavior problems. They coaches getting unsportsmanlike penalties and then when um, Dan Hickey took over the program it was a I'm gonna we're gonna turn this thing around uh-huh. this is important to us and our family there the Hickey family was started youth football here in this area and so it's been important to them and they got to a point where like we don't like the way that it's headed it's been and like so 10 years of somebody Hickey starring yes, on the football team yes. now yeah and this is our last year of a Hickey for oh, a while no. so um, but it's been when he took it over and he said we're going to set a standard of what it means and they held a tight rope and for that first couple years it was hard Uh there was frustration there was tension but once we kind of got through to the kids and to the community is that this is the standard of what it means to be a Samarin football player it's just continued on and so since um, coach Boyd and coach Damari kind of are the the so it was Hickey, then Stamfell, then Boyd and Damari have taken over, and it's, they've been able to keep that same consistency uh-huh. going through as to what it means. So that's another great example. Um, another kind of a, a smaller program that I think doesn't get a lot of recognition but would need to is like our tennis programs. Yeah. Is that we live in Marin County, and uh-huh. there's really, really good tennis players in Marin County. And so we don't all, we're not always – first second or third place team in the league but we're now we're kind of in that thing where we're constantly battling for that fourth or fifth place team whereas before we were eighth ninth tenth place uh-huh. and so we've kind of turned that corner and it's because of we have two women who coach and their um, their commitment to this community and to those kids has been unmatched yeah they show up they're sweeping off the tennis courts and they're they're leading by example and saying yeah, I might need you to help sweep the courts, but I'm not above sweeping the courts myself. And uh-huh. they'll show up and they'll do the work that needs to be done. They're doing fundraisers. They're out shagging tennis balls. They're um, putting up tennis nets. They're doing everything that needs to be done, uh-huh. a lot of it on their own time and out of their own pocket because they realize what this adds to the community. That's awesome. Um, and so it feels like the emphasis there is that team culture, school culture is almost more important than the wins and losses. Absolutely. And that the wins and losses will come. Right. Uh, well, the wins, hopefully, hopefully will the wins. come yeah. if you get the team culture right. And right. if you build the right school culture, the right team culture, right. it will lead into that winning piece. Yes. Um, I got to imagine that that leads to a number of difficult conversations Yes. <laughs> uh, with either students or parents 
who are having a tough time with the idea of like, but I'm a star. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't I be starting number one featured athlete? Dot 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 dot. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you hold that conversation? How do you address that component? Well, I think as the athletic director, I I in somewhat not that I like deflected or try to like run from it, but I leave all playing time 100% up to the coaches. Right. And I said earlier in the thing that I think we have the best coaches around. Um, we have coaches who. I think they're all here for the right reasons. They're uh -huh. here because they want to help kids, but they also want to win games. And at Varsity Athletics, it, there is this component of we want to win, uh -huh. right? We're not going to sacrifice our core values of what it means to be an athlete, but we do want to win the games. Yeah. And so I, I, every time I have that conversation with parent, I try to steer away from like playing time or your kid's individual success is not, it's not something I ever discuss. Uh -huh. Um, if, if there's an issue with the coach or your kid's in danger in any way, like those are the things that I can help address. But if you're unhappy with the amount of playing time your kid has, it's not something that we discuss. Right. Um, I always encourage the students when those things come up is talk to the, to the coach. Um, some kids don't feel comfortable doing that. One thing that I've kind of started saying the last couple of years at my incoming freshman night is that if your student leaves high school and can't talk to adults, mm they're in big trouble, uh huh. right? Because at that point, they're adults now. You have to be able to talk to adults. Yep. You no longer can only communicate with 14-year-olds. Uh -huh. And so parents, I believe, need to give their kids the tools to be able to communicate effectively with adults over these the next four years of high school that they're in. That was actually one of my, it's my final uh, leaving piece for my back-to-school night yeah. talk. Um, is I talk to the parents of the kids in my class about like, A, being a parent of a high schooler is so difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say that not being a parent of a high schooler. Right. <laughs> uh, both of our kids are not at the high school right. level yet. Um, but it's like you're in that, that really tricky fine line mm -hmm. uh, where your kids still desperately need you um, and they will keep like pushing away and not hugging you the way that a five-year-old might. Yeah. Um, but they also desperately need to be taught how to be independent. Yes. But that's a key piece is you have to be taught how to be independent. Yeah. It's not just, I'm going to stop paying attention now. Right. Go be independent. Right. Um, and so we talk a lot about like, how can you help your student send the email to the teacher about like, hey, I'm really concerned about my grade. Right. Or how can you help your student talk to their coach about, hey, I'm concerned that I'm not developing the skills necessary to be able to contribute to the team the way that I want. Right. Uh, and that's a very different conversation than how come I'm not starting. Right. Uh, yeah. Like you phrase it around how can I build my skill set a little bit more Right. Uh, so I can contribute more. Yep. Um, and so we, you know, at the parent level, like getting into sitting down with your kid and helping them craft the email. Yep but making sure that they are the one crafting the email, right. that they are the one talking to the teacher, that they are the one talking to the coach. Yeah. Uh, so it's not parent-driven as much as it is student or athlete-driven. Right. It's athlete-driven, but parent-supported. Totally. Right. And I've seen, like, I would say, not to decide, like, who is success. I can't coin who's a successful student and who's not. Right. But from my perspective, the kids who do the best in high school have a strong parent-support um, they're at everything, they're invested in what their kids are doing, but they're also not 
they're not doing stuff for their kid. They're uh-huh. allowing the kids the opportunity to make those decisions. They're there to catch them when they fall. They're there to cheer them on when they do well. Um, and even when they don't do well, they're still involved. They haven't, like you said, they haven't just walked away and said, well, you're in high school now, figure it out. Right. Right. Cause there's that balance. You don't want parents that do everything for them, but you also can't have them do nothing for them. And so it's trying to educate parents on how to do that. And again, I don't, I don't have the answers. I'm, I'm not there yet. Right. Um, I hope to be learning from all the people that I'm watching That's and nice I've seen, part. I've been able to see really successful parents and really successful kids. And I'm, I try to model my parenting after the people who I've seen do it uh-huh. effectively. Yeah. That's, we have a lot of great models. Yeah, we do. Um, so it's almost like you want to know of the parent, but not necessarily know the parents' names. That sounds bad. Yeah. Like the, par- <laughs> the parents should like, you want to make sure the parents are like present. Yes. I uh, recognize their face. Right. But I haven't had yeah. 18 emails back and forth. Right. I'd rather have a parent say, hey, what can I do to help the team? Totally. Instead of, why is my kid not playing? Right. Right. That's going to go a lot further with anybody. It's just, And the kids are going to see that you're modeling being a helper, being a volunteer, giving back to your community, right? Which are things that if you ask any parent, they would want that out of their kids, right? That they uh-huh. give back to their community. They see that things are bigger than themselves. They, You know what I mean? And so when parents model that, kids pick up on that yeah um and i would imagine that that plays into a lot of like what you do in your job Mm -hmm. uh like one of the things that i love about teaching is that i get to problem solve every day right like and every day is a different problem that i'm solving like academically i might solve the same problem in 10 consecutive years yeah but in life like every hour is a different problem to solve. And some of them are physics problems and some of them are biology problems. And most of them are just people problems. Right, life problems. Life problems. Like, huh, what is motivating this particular student? Or like, how do I explain that better? Or how do I make sure the kids are being more active in this way? Uh, And I would imagine that that's kind of the fun part of being AD. Yeah. Is solving problems that are different every single day. I don't know if you would call it fun, but (laughs) (laughs) that's the part that keeps it interesting is that there's nothing. um, I remember, I think I mentioned this something like this earlier, but when I was teaching, like every day I would have a lesson plan and try to stick to that as much as possible. And since I've done this, it's like almost completely thrown out the window. And it's like I just come to school every day and say like, all right, what am I walking into? Uh What needs to happen? What happened last night that I'm going to find out this morning? Um, And it's it's not always bad things. A lot of times it's good things. So... um, yeah, just being able to be flexible and patient and um, not take anything personal has been big. And just always being ready to like to solve, like you said, that next problem that comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. A sign of intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Last piece is um, one of the things that I wonder about is how do you balance what I'll call like our marquee sports with all the rest of the sports? Um, like you've got 40 different teams. Uh, I played a bunch of non-marquee sports. I think you did too. Uh, like I played you know, high school tennis, cross country, uh, and then in college, ultimate frisbee. Right. I think you were a wrestler. Right. I would say those are not like quote unquote marquee sports. San Marin historically has been a basketball school. Uh, that seems to be the sport that the students really show up mm-hmm. for as fans yeah. uh, and football. Uh, obviously like very successful football program. So I'd say like the football basketball is like the marquee exciting stuff, but most of our students don't play those sports. Right. 
Um, I mean, basketball holds a roster of, what, 12 kids, 15 right. kids. Right. Um, and times freshman, JV, right. varsity, women's, men's, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, we're talking about a very small number of kids. Mm-hmm. And you've got tons of kids doing sports like cross country, track and field, uh, swimming and uh, water polo, right. like all lacrosse, the stuff that isn't necessarily where you would kind of identify that. Right. Is there is there a balancing act that you do between those pieces? There is. And so contractually, there's certain things that I have to be at. And so uh-huh. a lot of times people mistake my being at something as supporting them more than the other. Mm. So football, because of the size of crowds that they have and the amount of work that goes into hosting a football game, uh-huh. I have to be at the football games. Right. Um, I have to be at the basketball games. Um, so those are the ones that I have to be at. And then any playoff games, I have to be at as uh-huh. site director for them and those are just rules within our league and our section that they require me to be there um and so i'm at more of their games uh-huh. than any of the other teams um but i always try to tell people like that doesn't mean that i support them or care about them anymore if i could go to everything i would i yeah. love being at the sports last night i went to four water polo games oh nice um, super fun the, the atmosphere was amazing uh-huh. they played at night the the pool lights were on there was a good crowd for both teams or chanting back and forth it was it was an awesome atmosphere but i also have to try to keep as much as i try to keep like the team by team balance i have to keep my family balance also right and i can't go to every game um and going back to what we said earlier is like i want to be a good parent i have two kids i have a son that plays soccer i have a daughter that does gymnastics and i want to be involved in what they're doing because i've seen like i said successful parents are the ones who are at what their kids are doing and involved in what their kids are doing. Uh-huh. And so I have to try to find that balance between what can I go to to show these kids that I, the Sam Marin students, that I care and support about them. Uh-huh. But I also need to remember that I have my own kids that I need to care and support for. So, um, yeah, so I think just trying to keep that, trying to make it at least to a couple events for every person. And then what a lot of the, what a lot of people don't see the percept, like I said, perception is that I go to more basketball and football games. Uh-huh. But a lot of what they don't see is that I support these other teams a lot in other areas. And so it's I probably talk, I probably talk to in any given season probably half the coaches every day, wow. just on different things. Check in like, hey, we have this schedule thing came up. So I think yesterday I talked to at one point I talked to the cross country coach about their upcoming cross country meet uh-huh. and trying to set up like porta potties and city permits to do those type of things which some people like, oh you don't support cross country but just i'm not at their meet doesn't mean i'm not supporting them in a different way um i talked to both water polo coaches yesterday since i was at their game i talked to the cheer coach probably three or four different times trying to figure out a scheduling thing because we we're sharing the mini gym with drama um, i talked to both of our basketball coaches trying to prepare them for the move because cheer is moving into their space so their open gyms uh, have to get moved uh-huh. so on any given day i probably talked to 12 to 15 coaches just about different things i talked to two different levels of football coaches yesterday um and again it's not always major things but it's just right. little things and letting them know that i care about what they're doing and just seeing how i can support them i also talked to our volleyball coach yesterday we had a, a referee issue uh-huh. a few days before so i talked to him about that i talked to yesterday i talked to two different heads of official i talked to the head football official about moving games around i talked to a volleyball official about the issue so it's just this constant thing of like supporting all of these teams kind of from the ground kind of it's a lot of like the the Wizard of Oz stuff, uh-huh. like the man what behind the goes curtain, on behind the curtain, right? And yeah. so I feel like a lot of times I'm the little guy behind the curtain who's <laughs> kind of moving all these pieces that nobody ever sees. Um, and so being able to just share that, like, 
I may not be at those things, um, but I still do my best to support those teams. And I think if you ask those coaches, um, honestly, if that, if I felt that I was doing the good job and they felt supported, I think that they would. Yeah. Would they like me at their matches? Absolutely. Right. Everybody would. But they also understand. And like I said, I've been able to build relationships with these people and they, they all know my family and they know that I do care about their teams and that when I can be there, I will be there. Uh-huh. But they also know that I'll support them in the ways that I can support them. Nice. Um, and I think that, I mean, that's kind of like how I feel as a teacher too, yeah. is I wish that I could get to all the games. <laughs> like I try to make a point to go to a game of any team and sport that I have a student in. Mm-hmm. So I teach mostly freshmen. That means I mostly see the freshman level, right? Uh, which is actually convenient for me because yeah. it means they start at like four o'clock exactly. and varsity doesn't go until like earlier six or seven games. or whatever. Uh, so I can like pop in, catch half an hour of the freshman volleyball game. Uh, and the nice part is you can, like, I bring my kids with me, right. and my kids now love San Marin sports. Right. And, um, but it is tremendously tricky right. trying to balance your other work responsibilities and life responsibilities with being a present community member. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a huge part of teaching and being part of an academic community. Um, okay, one last piece that I just want to throw in there and mention. Uh, last year we worked together just a tiny bit on slightly tweaking our uh, school schedule um, where we had school running until we pushed school back a little bit a few years ago because we were starting at like 7.20 in the morning and all the brain science Mm -hmm. indicates that we should not start school at 7.20 for a bunch of teenagers because they are not awake. Uh, So we shifted everything back to an 8 o'clock earliest start. Correct. And that pushed the end of school for one of our days back to like 3.30. Correct. And other days at like 3.19. Right. Uh, And so last year we added in a little tutorial component, and then we also tweaked some of the the scheduling to get school done at 3.10. And this is getting so deep into the weeds (laughs) on logistics. Yeah. But... Uh, as a teacher who taught a seventh period and had kids leaving at like 2.45 right. for their 3.30 or 4 o'clock game, that difference between 3.10 and 3.30 is such a huge difference. Yeah. Um, how, how do you balance that like late start component with the athletic demands of like the sun goes down at 6 o'clock right. uh, or whenever it is and we need to get a game in uh, is there a calculus that goes in there? Is there a balancing of like how much of an early sports dismissal is necessary mm-hmm. and how much isn't and how can we tweak it? Yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier is that it's almost like a daily trying to solve the problem. Uh-huh. And there's no right or wrong way. Um, a lot of it comes down to like parents and drivers and uh-huh. transportation and doing this thing and so we we do the best that we can i think having school like you said get out at 310 instead of 330 a lot of times the last and you probably know better than this a lot of teachers i think will kind of introduce introduce their lesson they'll work through it and then the last maybe 10 or 15 minutes the kids are kind of just individual working or working in groups on yeah, whatever their assignment guided, is guided practice and so by doing that I, I think they're losing they're missing less instructional time and uh-huh. maybe a little bit more of the kind of like the, the individual guided time, which they can, it's easier for them to do that outside of class. But uh-huh. to get that, if they're missing that like core information part from the teacher, that's, it's really hurtful to them. And so by being able to get out of school earlier, especially Tuesdays and Wednesdays now, that's really helped. Uh-huh. Um, the other major thing I 
we never even talked about this with like the process of putting lights on the field and kind of what that's Ooh, been. That can, we can do a whole other podcast open up on that, that box. Yeah, we can do a whole hour podcast about the process of getting lights on the field right. at a school in Marin County. Um, but I think turn them on. This the community has realized that that is something that's going to help. It's going to help one the entire community uh-huh. as a whole as a way a fun activity a fun safe activity for students and families to be a part of but also the education piece is being able to play our games at six o'clock at night uh-huh. as opposed to three fifteen. Um, we had students which when you say it out loud it just went to other people that don't live in marin it's like the most foreign thing so we would have students that would leave school early for their home games like they didn't have, they had to travel a hundred yards to get to the <laughs> locker room. But because the game started at three fifteen, like we had games starting while school was still in session. Right. And so they had to be there because for it gets dark at five thirty. Right. You need and to so, fit two games in. So you got three fifteen, and then uh, what was it, four forty-five? Right. No, they would just play. It would be one. It would be, like for soccer, we started at three fifteen. It was just one game, Whew. and it would end at five o'clock. Yeah, and it'd be dark. Yeah, and so um, I think the community is really going to appreciate yep. the fact that our students, at least for their home games, so half their games, they're going to get to stay in class for the entire day, which yeah. is going to be a big a big plus for this school and for this community, and will be one of two schools in the MCAL or in Marin that have that luxury yeah. to be able to do that. So it's going to be an awesome thing. Which is huge. Yes. And we can chat through that whole process yeah. on another day. <laughs> uh, Dennis Davis, thank you so much for uh, joining us, giving us an inside view of uh, the athletics program and how to run a great sports program. Awesome. It was a pleasure. High school sports. Yeah.